0: Every HR professional wants an inclusive culture, but what does that really mean? And what practical steps can you take to make it happen? This is The Culture Clinic, where my co-founder Joe and I are relentlessly learning from HR experts on how to build a culture where people love to work. My name is Skay, and I'm one of the co-founders here at Gusto. And today I'm joined by Shelly DaCosta, an HR expert in the rewards and recognition space. Shelly, I'm hoping that you can point us in the right direction with this week's topic, what does inclusive culture really look like? What do you need to feel a sense of belonging at work?
1: So for myself personally, it's all around feeling heard, accepted, um, safe to to be who I am and express my ideas that's that's pretty much it like for me. Then I feel like I belong because people are are listening to me. I can be me, uh, who I really am, and I can express how I feel about things and be listened to, that's important.
0: I can be me with the the snapping at the fingers and
1: the Instead of people laughing at how much I'm talking, no. (laughs) But, you know, let's be honest, like, we all look for it's innate in human nature to to look for a mirror image in our workplace, to look for people that look or act or are like us unfortunately that's that's the case and so we unfortunately attach safety to that right i I could approach it as oh my gosh i'm sitting in this this meeting and am i the oldest person in the room is my skin the darkest am i the only person in the meeting with an accent what like oh my goodness my boss's body language every time i speak it looks all dismissive what am i you know that unfortunately is, is is that inherent bias with people, and then it makes people feel unsafe if we don't see others like ourselves. Um, but we need to feel safe and appreciated, regardless of all of that, because we're unique and different. You know, that's that's much more diversity versus inclusive culture. That
0: makes sense. It almost seems like they're kind of at, at at odds with each other, right? Kind of like you go to the other end of that spectrum where, you've got full diversity and everybody's different. Then you walk into the room and and you don't see anybody that kind of reflects who you might kind of feel that you are. And you don't have that feeling of kind of safety and inclusivity.
1: Well, I think it's, it's for you to feel safe despite the fact that everybody's different. Right. So, so, Uh, Yeah, to to be on a call, be the oldest person on the call uh, or the person with the darkest complexion on the call and know that that doesn't matter to the people that I'm speaking to, that I will still be heard and listened to. That's the key. That we can be all diverse and I would still feel safe and, and that my safety is not looking for other people exactly like me in the workplace. My safety just comes from knowing I'm appreciated for who I am right here and all. And so is that like
0: what like having an inclusive culture means to you kind of personally?
1: I think so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a culture where there are conscious efforts, behaviors, policies, even norms to make everyone feel seen and heard and valued with their unique differences so that you know you're safe. You're constantly growing, changing and learning from one another in that kind of an environment. Because you're different. Yeah,
0: and so as HR leaders, how what are some strategies that we can kind of utilize to help help kind of create that culture of inclusivity?
1: Yeah. I think we have to understand inclusivity is the how right and diversity is the the what right so you, you have to have the how before the what you have to have inclusivity and that inclusive culture before diversity is going to naturally happen right and HR needs well it's not just HR the organization but what HR can do is is help create a culture where we're learning listening we're making those conscious efforts we're rethinking all of our practices behaviors Policies, um, we're acknowledging and promoting learning from one another all the time, and in particular, we're helping leaders to grow and learn and understand things like inherent bias.
0: And so, would you kind of offer lunch and learns, or how would how would you go about kind of training leaders?
1: Yeah, there's there's so many different ways. I think I think part of it is just doing that deep dive with the leaders about their own biases and getting past saying, you know, I have no biases. I'm not about you, right? But it's looking at the people. I heard a, a great podcast the other day where somebody was talking about, Naomi was talking about the people that you look to outside of your family to help you with problems in your life, to answer questions, to learn from, etc. Are they diverse? And nine times out of 10, somebody will say, you know, I'm, I'm very inclusive. Um, but when they look to that group, they're like, but my group of friends and confidence and in my circle, aren't that. So it's, it's understanding that you need to broaden that and find out where people are coming from. And so how you do that, you know, does a lunch and learn do that? It could, it can help. Like, I think it's just, there is a multitude of training that needs to happen for our leaders to understand it, because one leader is going to understand it differently than another leader or have a, an opinion on their own biases different from another leader. And some are going to be able to relate to it right away if they themselves have felt um, bias against them. Uh, and so then that's a great leader to have on a steering committee to talk about what that feels like and what it means and how unsafe they've felt in past workplaces and what's different about this workplace, why they do feel safe. And it might be just by the very virtue of calling it out and discussing it uh, and knowing that, that they're still, you know, ask for the questions, et cetera. You know, there is lots to be said for um, work groups and meetings and celebration days. You know, a lot of companies will have diversity lunches and, Um, sessions to recommend, you know, a certain day or whatever it is that's important for them to learn and grow about. Uh, And I don't think it's like, okay, we've got a project about diversity and it's going to start here. We're going to finish it here. It's never going to end. It's always going to be learning and growing and teaching and promoting uh, inclusivity. And one thing that you kind of mentioned
0: there on employee groups, would would you ever be intentional about trying to kind of help managers and leaders switch like uh, project groups. So like, you know, we'll have a few different employees kind of working on this project, but then we're going to kind of switch it out and want, you know, some of those employees join some of these employees and even get a bit more of a diverse experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen an organization where we actually partnered people up. Um, and hit them with some of the tough questions, like whether it was you know at an offsite or uh, a working session, so to speak, of training and learning, and being pretty, you know,
0: yeah. Like, what's a tough question that you would ask? Like, you-
1: well, like being intentional about um, pairing people up and having them each respond to one another or interview one another about their backgrounds and their experiences, and throw in there a question of, do you ever feel that you have been discriminated against in the workplace and how did that feel you know and you've got you know two quite different people answering that question and interviewing one another about how that feels and then potentially repeating that back to the group on what they found out or what they learned you know that 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 could be that could be pretty empowering because it's it's a little bit about how do you have somebody walk in someone else's shoes
0: yeah. Yeah. It's tough, right? Because it's, it's an entire kind of like lived experience. Right.
1: And it goes so, so far back. And there's so many pieces that we don't know on because we didn't live that experience because we didn't we don't have that experience. We don't have that. Our family culture values, the things we heard, the stories our grandparents told us were quite different from the stories that individual's grandparents told them. And and you don't know, just like we don't know each other's triggers for mental health, we don't always know each other's triggers for feeling safe and inclusive.
0: So so thinking back on your experience, Shelley, all the different organizations that you worked at, was there one organization that like really stood out in terms of creating a, a very kind of like psychologically safe environment? and. What was it that, because this all starts at, at the leadership level. So like, what was it that the, the, the leaders at the top were doing right to kind of make that sort of environment?
1: You know, I thought about this one in the sense of, is our global organizations ahead of the game only by virtue of them being global and hiring employees from all around the world, hopefully from many different cultures. Um, but it didn't always go hand in hand. So I would say um, diversity from a cultural perspective at IKEA was wonderful. It was amazing. Um, you know, there was just so many different languages and customs and behaviors. And um, it, it was just the cultural and and uh, gender diversity was was ahead of the game, if you will, or ahead of many other organizations when I joined there. But then they would still have somebody make a decision that you'd think, that's, that's not, that's, you know what I mean? That doesn't make somebody feel very safe, the way you just treated them in that meeting or how you just spoke to them. And that comes down to that individual not having the awareness, that individual not being trained, and that individual being promoted to a senior leader. Because you know all that great work before is kind of undone when now the person that treats somebody that way is at the senior leadership. Like that, that can be a problem. Um, I've seen another organization where the head of diversity initiatives um, didn't didn't get it themselves, and so the whole program was put at risk. Uh, like I said, we there's so many things we don't know, we haven't experienced. But I find that the talking to one another, that one of the best sessions I went on was actually that same organization where we talked about inherent bias in the workplace and had a session where people were trying to be very, very honest. And we talked about where we learn about, uh, diversity, inclusivity, in particular inclusivity. And um, I remember at the time for me, it was uh, learning from my kids because I had adult kids at the time. And both my husband and I, you know, we it would be challenging, but we would love to have these conversations with our university age children around their friends and why they would use this term versus that term and why they would identify this way and what that meant and and it was just so empowering to to learn this, you know, and there's a term for it. It's called um, upward mentoring um, that, you know, you you learn. And I think it's how do you create a, a culture in your organization where people, it's not just top-down training. It's not just learning from lunch and learn or a speaker comes in and talks to us today about inclusivity. It's having all your employees open up their minds to learning, growing, and taking every opportunity, every interaction as an opportunity to learn and grow or ask a question. Thinking about kind of like
0: being a senior kind of HR um, leader now and trying to kind of communicate with the rest of the leadership team about the business impact, the the importance of inclusivity like why do you believe that inclusivity is important and kind of has an impact and maybe where in your career did you see that kind of most clearly
1: you know so today i think we're on a better track where we work on inclusivity and organizations that aren't or are you know aren't aren't effective, are they're only working on representation, diversity numbers, rather than creating that true culture of inclusivity. They're forgetting about the senior leadership team. And what does someone visually or otherwise see at the senior leadership team? And how safe do those senior leadership team members feel? So maybe there's three women there. Um, but if you talk to them, they will say, yeah, I chose not to have children because it's just too difficult. I can't, I can't be a senior vice president and a mom. It just doesn't work in our culture. um, You know, in this organization and, and openly say that, you know, or I decided to never go into senior management in this organization because I know I can't get to that table uh, and have children because the support, the, the workplace is just not accepting of that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's, they're not understanding that they also need to represent. They also need to be inclusive and there's a safety there as well. In fact, it's even harder when that group doesn't feel psychologically safe to challenge one another because they're making key, key decisions across the organization, you know, and, and we're talking inclusivity for, for everything, whether it is uh, race or culture or gender, or sexual orientation, or mental health, right? Abilities, uh, all of those kinds of stuff. And and that group in particular is very, very focused on the business. And maybe they don't want to understand those individuals' life experiences, where they're coming from, and their thoughts, their beliefs, their actions. It's, it's too complicated. Let's just keep the business running. And not understanding that actually when you create that inclusive culture and have a diverse workplace, your business runs better. People are more comfortable. People feel they can bring their whole selves. You know, we often say we're really trying to hire the hearts and minds of people. And, you know, your heart's not in it if you're not safe and you're not comfortable, right? Uh, The real work, it's easy to just hire. It's much harder to retain, to acknowledge, to grow, to change. Um, It's tough to create an environment where people
0: and so you, you mentioned that at IKEA they were fairly kind of successful in in kind of creating that environment. What what was the impact on kind of employee engagement and retention? And like, could you draw that direct correlation to kind of inclusivity?
1: We had engagement scores that were you know in the ninety percent. Like it, it was it, you know even participation in engagement scores. Companies that would help us do the. A voice survey or engagement survey would say, like, I never see this much participation. But it was because people knew that if they speak up, change would happen, their voice would be heard. Um, You know, we, there was always a glut, if you will, of applicants, people wanting to work for the company, regardless of what was going on. Otherwise, people wanted to work for IKEA. And it was because others had recommended what a great place it was to work. You know, you were often, and it wasn't that you wanted to hire a friend of a friend of a friend, because that can also be a bit problematic from an inclusivity perspective, but it was because people were so willing to say, it's a great place to work and it's okay. You will be safe here. You will feel comfortable. So very, very diverse from that perspective.
0: Yeah, I've always felt because like it's the classic kind of NPS question, you know, how likely would you be to recommend somebody to work here or you know, on customer side for a customer? But it, the, the 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 proof is in people actually referring coworkers or actually referring customers, and not you know filling out a survey saying like, hey, I'm a ten out of ten, but never actually doing <laughs> it. Here's a bit of an interesting one for you to kind of uh, finish off. Like, have you ever seen anything that companies do to promote inclusivity that was actually kind of ineffective?
1: I think, I'm trying to, I, I don't know if I can think of an, a full example, but I think, it's, and I don't want to say it's not trying too hard, but it's where it becomes obvious that an organization is going through the motions like a checklist, you know, it's like we want to we want the the decal on the front door that says top one hundred employer this year. So we've written a diversity statement and an inclusivity policy, and you know that that kind of thing. But there's nothing behind it to say what have you done though? Like you wrote the policy and you say this is how you believe, but you know what has really happened otherwise? Can you dig in and show me? how that lives in your organization. So how many women are promoted into senior executive positions? How many women of color are promoted into senior executive positions? Um, You know, when you launched mental health in the workplace in terms of support systems and new programs and training for leaders and managers and stuff, I can remember how it felt similar to your scenario where somebody felt safe was that people on social media came forward and said they were so grateful for it and then they would tell their story of how they have struggled with mental health. And I felt like uh, that, okay, we this is great because we have created an environment where they feel safe to acknowledge this, to let people know, you know, they were not anonymous. This is who I am and this is what I struggle with on a daily basis from an awareness perspective. So- you know, I I can't think of an exact example other than organizations that are doing it the checklist model. We have to do this because everybody's doing this. We have to do that. We have to do this kind of training. We'll do the lunch and learns. Tick tick tick. But not really digging in deep and asking the hard questions because that's too hard. It's awful. It, you know, it, people can be upset, etc. And so it's like. It's almost distasteful to some senior leadership teams to to do that because they want to keep the separation between home and work, and at work everybody should be the same. <laughs> and it's like that's not that's not an effective inclusive culture at all. And so it strikes me,
0: and and maybe you did this throughout your career, but um, this this would be somewhere where. HR folks would really benefit from kind of having some case studies and, and being able to kind of like point to, you know, maybe they didn't have the experience of working at Ikea, but there are articles written about kind of, uh, how Ikea kind of went to lengths to actually kind of create an inclusive culture and what the impacts were in terms of number of applicants, retention numbers and, and, and whatnot. Um, because senior leaders might, uh, yeah, uh, to your to your point, might be uncomfortable with some of this stuff.
1: How do we learn from that? How do we learn from others who've gone forward and put some good programs in place or or gotten to where they need to get to? How do we how do we share that knowledge and that learning um, from you know one another? Because some some organizations have some really great leaders at the top that can kind of model that behavior and tell their story and and think that way. And then there's others that it's just, you know, you're still astounded by some of the things you read in the news, um, about organizations and, you know, they're, uh, it, it, you spend some time Googling an organization and looking for human rights complaints, um, geared at that organization. And you start to kind of see what's below the surface, uh, you know, uh, and you think, Oh my goodness, what's going on? Um, uh, because it's uncomfortable. So well, I've learned a tremendous amount here uh,
0: today. Thank you, Shelley, as always, for kind of take taking the time. And um, did you have any kind of major take take takeaway from kind of the conversation that you'd like to kind of leave uh, folks with?
1: It's tough to create that environment where people feel safe uh, and feel that they can bring their whole selves to work. Um, so many behaviors in the workplace. Our, our, our good business practice behaviors, if we will, or or what we applaud, our business thinking, so to speak, and often they kind of run contrary to really thinking about where someone is coming from, and one that they can bring to the table, and that takes time. You know what I mean? To to actually get to know people. Uh, I've I've had leaders turn around and say. Oh, Goodness, my employees take up so much time when I have to do these one-on-ones. Ask them about their kids, and ask them how they're feeling, and that I'm like, oh my goodness, that person should not be a leader. They, they just want to talk about the business and what the person did, and does it get their goals done and meet their objectives, etc. And that's it. And here's an employee that needs to express themselves and why, you know, they worked on the weekend because they have to on Monday take three children to the doctor, Wh- whatever it is. It's just, it's a diversity difference of who we are. It's an inclusivity thing for them to feel safe enough, And for that leader to want to get to know that employee and that employee to feel hurt, even if it's to tell them about their sick child, or even if it's to tell them about an unfortunate situation from their past, whatever it is, leaders need to be open to that. So that right. But unfortunately leaders are plotted too often for business thinking, business this, you know, we've got to achieve this, we've got to achieve that. Whereas if we can take that time and create that environment where people feel safe, then diversity comes from the inclusivity, and then we have better organizations that are more productive, people stay longer, people feel better, rewarded, and they want to work hard.
0: Yeah. Kind of makes me think about kind of one-on-ones and just asking people kind of, hey, how was your weekend? And then actually caring about and listening to what they actually say.
1: <laughs> it's it's very sad sometimes in, in HR when a leader will come to you with, um, you know, so-and-so's got all these performance issues going on that, you know, they didn't meet this deadline or this isn't happening well. And, you know, they're normally really, really bright and I get all these great answers, but over the course of the last couple of weeks, this has happened, this has happened, I, I I think I need to terminate or we need to go on a performance management, whatever. And you start to say, well, what do you know about what's going on in their life? I don't know. Like, do they have something going on in their life right now, health-wise, family-wise, whatever that could be impeding, distracting them, causing that? I don't know. And it's like, wow, what do you know about these people that come and spend more time with you Than their own families or are online with you and most of the time spend a lot more time at these daylight hours with you than their own families and you know this much about them you know ask the questions and and then listen
0: so so a takeaway for for me there and and shout out to kind of our HR team Noah and and Julia they do a great job of um guiding all all of our managers uh and kind of creating kind of templates for one on ones and, and making sure that we're we're asking people kind of uh, these questions, right? And, yeah. you, and learning a little bit about kind of the, the the humans that uh that we'll work with every day.
1: Because you're a people first culture.
0: We we try to be. You are. Um Shelly, as always, it it's been a a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks for taking the time and uh we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you, Ske. If you want to build a great place to work, check out Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, our free guide to creating a culture where people feel seen, heard, and valued. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to recognize somebody for a job well done today. Mujo gusto.